continue to praise him. Amen. Jesus. 
you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for me, Father. Thank you, God, for your healing, Lord. Thank you for your grace.
Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. As many of you are aware, today is September 11th, and uh, let's uh, view this video together. as we remember this day. Lord, let us remember our tremendous need for you. As we remember this day, God, let us remember those that uh, still continue to need prayer. Lord, mostly let us remember your power, your might, the fact that greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world, the fact that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in those that believe. And in days like we remember September 11th, 2001, that your spirit in us is light to this world, is what this world needs. And again, as we reflect on this day and this moment in history, let us remember, God, that it is your power in us to bring light to this dark world. Lord, I pray a blessing on our nation. I pray that you would help us uh, in so many ways to seek your face. Lord, in churches all around this nation, let it begin with us that so we would be people that seek your face. And God, as we do that, Lord, I pray you would do miracle on miracle in the lives of people that are our neighbors, that are nearby us. And God, let today uh, be, a, be a day where we remember uh, your power and our mission in this world. Lord, thank you for, even, even today, those that lost loved ones, that this is a very difficult day for them. Would you bring comfort to them today? Lord, we thank you for being able to call in your name. We thank you for a nation where we're allowed to do that. And we pray a blessing 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, let's take a few minutes and just greet each other today. God bless you. Amen. That's what we are. Praise God. Hey, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering as the ushers prepare uh, to be able to receive that. Um, what a, what a, we couldn't find a, a better attitude to go into giving than just being able to greet each other and be able to see each other this morning. Um, and just to let you know, if you are a guest here today, uh, we are so glad. We, we appreciate you being here. If you're a guest out of town, if you're a guest locally, thank you for being here today. One of the things you could do for us that would help us be able to thank you is to be able to fill out one of our Connect cards. It's in the seat back in front of you. There should be a pen there. If there isn't, there's one nearby. We just replenished all that this week. But if you would please complete that. And in our lobby, please hand it to the person working the guest services table. That would be a huge blessing and a help to us. So, uh, and, uh, so if you could take care of that, that would be great. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege to be like you in giving. And Lord, I pray you would take this offering today and let it not only further your kingdom and advance your kingdom, but let it do miracles in people's lives. We love you and we give today out of a grateful heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Hey, let me be the first to tell uh, the grandparents today here, happy Grandparents Day. Give all the grandparents a hand. If you're a grandparent, you're investing in that next generation, hey, you are indispensable people. We appreciate you today. Uh, hey, a few things coming up. Uh, of course, next Sunday, and Pastor's going to talk a little bit more about it later, but is our Celebration Sunday, our 37th anniversary church picnic. It is going to be a great Sunday next Sunday. How many are ready to go for next Sunday? You got your, your food picked out, what you're doing here. You're ready to go. And uh, some of you are like, yeah, I'll probably figure that out Saturday about 10 p.m., like what I'm bringing, you know. That might be what some of you are doing. But uh, hey, but uh, a couple of things we have going on during the week, of course, uh, we're, we're, uh, Wednesday night we're wrapping up our study on judgment call. Uh, divorce care started this past week, and so that's a meeting in room 107. Those are some things happening on, on Wednesdays. Uh, young adults, you can see the schedule there. They had a great event the other night, uh, this past Friday night, and they have some really fun stuff uh, happening here soon. Uh, Praise Youth. Uh, the deposit for convention was due last week, but see me if you need to this week. That would be wonderful to take care of that, and you can see our schedule here that we have, uh, that we have happening. And also, uh, we have um, men's breakfast coming up this Saturday. And as Pastor says, has said many times, um, you won't find a better breakfast buffet than what we have here um, on Saturday mornings for men's breakfast. And not only is the food amazing, but the quality of, of the stuff we talk about is really powerful. And uh, I just encourage you, uh, if you, if you're a guy here, come on out. I mean, you haven't been in a while. It's okay. We didn't meet for a chunk of the summer. Don't worry about it. Just come on out. Enjoy some breakfast. Enjoy some uh, time to build some friendships. But let's check out this video as we look forward to this coming Saturday. Most parents have a tendency to aim their children at a future focused on success. They need to see a father who has a humble heart, a grateful heart, a generous heart, and a servant's heart. This changes everything. What does it mean to raise our kids for success? How do we even determine what success is? We're gonna focus on what we believe is the most powerful idea in the history of the world. This grace that I brought to the cross, I want this now to redefine you. They just want you to love them and listen to them. Fathers change lives. How a man nurtures a boy directly affects who he will grow into as a man. You are the most important man in your daughter's life. You can't imagine how much your little girls just want to hear how proud you are of them. The job of a dad is to connect to the heart of your child. It makes it easier for them to connect to the heart of God.
Yeah, next Sunday, it's a great opportunity for you to invite somebody, a neighbor, a family member that maybe has never been to church or hasn't been to church in a long time. Very casual. We'll probably start about 12, 15 out there. That's roughly how it goes every year with uh, the burgers cooking and all that. Um, but again, we've got a lot of events planned, especially if they have, if they've got little ones, we're going to have a lot of stuff for the kids. So can we display some of the, uh, some of the upcoming items? Of course, the food is always good. And if you didn't know this, you know, we let the joy group, we let the adult senior adults go through first because they generally bring the better homemade stuff and they should be able to sample that. Um, again, we're going to have fishing as you know, and I, I know someone pulled out something pretty large there. Um, yeah, well. Yeah, I showed that last week. So, but we've got inflatables, games, face painting, pony rides. In a moment, Doug Clay will show up. We have our national leader, our general superintendent will be with us with a very timely message. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't care what you prepare. I don't care if it is at Saturday night at 10 p.m. That is all that matters. <laughs> Bottom line. Soft serve. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, we're Costco fans. We buy the Costco true half gallons. You noticed, right, about 10 years ago or more, Briars and all the companies out there, it looks like a half gallon, but it's like two-thirds of a half gallon. And it's like they added more air, too. I've never seen ice cream so light in my life. But if you get two half gallons from Costco, we should, we should get something for that promotion from Costco. They should give us something. But if you get two half gallons of their ice cream, it is dense. I mean, you've got, you can't even scoop it when you take it out of the freezer. It's so hard. There's no air in there. Super premium ice cream. Excellent stuff. And that's good. I like that. But sometimes you just crave a soft serve, don't you? And how, how many like the twist, the chocolate, vanilla together? Come on now. Come on. I, I mean, so here's what I'm planning. I'm going to open up a vanilla. I'm going through first time is vanilla. Chocolate, I, you know, then I'm going to do two more twists, I think, after that. And if I only, if I just stay to one burger, I think five times. I think you could do that five times. I really do. So just a plan. I, I didn't have a plan in the beginning, in the early days with the Mr. Softy truck. But now I have a plan. I don't want a banana split. I don't want all this. I just want the soft serve flowing out of that machine. So... Um, maybe, you know what? I think we've got some large round Tupperware at church. Who needs it in a cone? <laughs> you know, so just kind of scoop it out of there. Anyways, one more thing I want to say about men's breakfast this Saturday. Looking forward to first one of the season. We always begin in September. We end in April. And, um, you know, fatherhood, we've got a lot of young dads in church now. Uh, love to see you out. You need this. This is all, the whole series, all these sessions this year are going to focus on fatherhood. So get yourself out, 8 to 10. We will let you go by 10. Again, you'll get a good feed both ways, physically and spiritually. Well, listen, today I want to share with you out of the 61st chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 61. And um, some of you saw that online and wonder, what is, is 61? I just wanted to get your attention. That's what people do with social media. They post the most ridiculous, inane things. Even my wife saw that and said, really? What is that about? Um, <laughs> So, you know, anyways, so I did explain it in a comment later on during the week. It's Isaiah 61. I want that to be our emphasis this morning. We're going to begin by reading right from that first verse. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent 
me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd their flocks. Foreigners will work their fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. So they will inherit a double portion of their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes a sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this proclamation. God, we thank you, Father, for this Old Testament prophecy and how it became reality in the New Testament through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for all the promises that we've read here today that first applied to your people of Israel, and now they apply to any people who will be obedient to you, who will come to you and serve you and love you and adore you. Lord, I pray that we would understand today that these words are for us. And I ask for the anointing that only your Holy Spirit can bring. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this possibly is, and I know I say this about different verses, but this, this possibly is my most favorite chapter in all the Bible, Isaiah chapter 61. It is at least one of the most significant passages for me personally. And in fact, so much so that since I first arrived here at Praise Assembly 24 years ago today, the second Sunday of September, I've always made sure that the Bible on this communion table was open to Isaiah 61. You can come in here at any time. This Bible has always been open un unless, you know, maybe a, one of the little critters in church went by and just flipped it. But it's always been Isaiah 61. That's how meaningful it is to me. And that's the same chapter that Jesus read from in Luke chapter 4. He was in the synagogue in Nazareth. He had the privilege of reading about himself and his healing ministry. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah and he opened to this chapter and he read about himself. He read it to the people of his very own hometown. This is the chapter that I had alluded to just two months ago on July 3rd when I when I shared with you how I felt impressed that morning, impressed by God to proclaim this year and the year ahead to be a year of blessing for anyone who would strive to, to, to really hunker down with God, to, to truly be obedient to his call and, and his will for your life. 
And I, I you know, it wasn't, I, I didn't do that lightheartedly. And anyway, that, this is serious. A year of blessing, or in that second verse, it talks about the year of the Lord's favor. And then the rest of the chapter describes all the blessings. The very concept of blessing is rooted in that passage. Talks about a double portion. And in case, I just want to clear this up because it, it, it may have troubled you. It bothered me a little bit the, back in July 3rd when I shared this with you. The year of the Lord's favor. What year? 2022, 2023? I don't know what month Jesus was reading in the synagogue in Nazareth. I don't know when he was there. I didn't look it up. I know scholars probably know exactly what day that he was there and he read that. Was it the balance? Was, was, it, was it our new year, January? Was it the Jewish new year starting in September? When was he there in Nazareth? When did he read that? I don't think it's relevant. I just know that in the year ahead, from July 3rd forward, you can receive a true, I mean, an unbelievable blessing from God. I know that he has, he has things planned for many of you that you just can't even imagine. You don't even know they're coming. That's, that's, how, that's where I'm at. And you know, there are a few people where I feel like God has actually spoken to me of what he's going to do for you. And I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. It's not for you to know. I, don't, I, don't want to, I would never want to be accused of delivering false hope. Just like the, you know, the Old Testament false prophets. They all said great, nice things about Israel. Jeremiah spoke the truth and they chased him. They ran him down. They wanted to murder him. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't want to give you any false hope. I just know that God is faithful. And I will be blessed when I see that happen in your life. And so I, I suppose the reason I love this passage so much is because it speaks of good things. I want, I want to encourage you, when this is all over, read that chapter again on your own, slowly. It speaks of good things. It speaks of power and freedom, doesn't it? It speaks of restoration. It speaks of renewal. It speaks of healing in its deepest and most significant and powerful dimension. The very first verse tells us that it is Jesus himself who is the anointed one. He is the one who's been sent to heal the brokenhearted. And folks, all the world needs Jesus. All the world desperately needs Jesus. We live in a broken world surrounded by devastated human hum humanity. Because you see, we live in a world that's racked with sin and death. Suffering and pain. That's why there's a need for an anointed one, a Messiah who can save us from the law of sin and death, which is at work in our world, to save us from the law of sin and death and who can bring healing to us. And the reality is that everyone at some time in their life is going to find themselves in need of a healing touch. It might be a physical need. It could be a financial dilemma. Really, where you're like, how do I get out of this situation? It might be the need for emotional healing. Maybe it's something relational. And, and the 61st chapter tells us that Jesus Christ is the one who can bring each one of us the specific healing that we need. He can heal anything. Amen. He can heal anything. Broken relationships, broken bodies. He can set captives free from addictions and habits and vicious cycles of destructive behavior. Isaiah 61 verse 4 says that he can restore devastated places and renew ruined cities. He alone has the ability to present to us a crown of beauty in exchange for ashes. Gladness instead of mourning. Amen. Gladness. 
And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want us to look at God's agenda for healing. In fact, a renewal of the gift of healing. Keeping in mind, scriptures are clear. Jesus has made provision for our healing. Isaiah chapter 53 is one of those. First Peter chapter 2 is another. And it tells us that there is a healing provided for us through Christ's suffering and sacrifice on the cross. It was by his wounds that we have been healed. But the price he paid has opened the door for our wholeness and our healing. And because we live in a world that's so saturated with sin, it's so polluted by death. We have to rely upon his position, his provision of healing. In fact, until Jesus completely sets up his earthly kingdom, every one of us, at some time or another, we're going to need to expect and to rely upon his healing power. Really, I would suggest that if I were to ask you how many of you have ever really prayed for God to heal you or someone you love, every hand would go up in this place. You see, I believe that the law of the spirit of life is ours to use for healing. In other words, because the law of sin and death operates in our world, God has provided another law according to his word, and it's called the law of the spirit of life. And I want you to listen to this. This is Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. It might be on the screen. I, I don't know. Therefore, this is Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus... The law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So if you know Christ is your savior and he is your Lord and you have a relationship with him, then you are to live under the law of the spirit of life and you've been set free. Now, you know, reflect for a minute. Chapter one and chapter three of Ephesians, where I've been in Ephesians, you know, we're diverting just this one day. We're going to be back to Ephesians in a couple weeks. But that talks so much about Paul being a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. A prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. But by being a prisoner to Jesus, you receive freedom. And that's where the law of the spirit of life comes into play. We're not bound by the law of of sin and death anymore. And all you have to do, again, is look around at this world that we live in. I mean, all the, all the pain, all the suffering that's in our world today. A number of, number of earthquakes. There was one just a couple days ago uh, in, in the east. And all kinds of weather events, natural disasters, constant conflict in every corner of the world. The ever-present threat of terrorism, starvation, abuse throughout the world. And, and we may not see as much suffering here in our country in the way of, you know, I mean, no one's on our grounds. There's no, no one has invaded us as Russia has invaded Ukraine. You know, we don't have those kinds of conflicts in our country. But you know what? We do have, we do have an issue with marriages in turmoil. Families who have children who have broken the hearts of their parents. Financial problems brought on by a lack of self-discipline and restraint. Corruption at all levels of government. You know, we have problems. They're just different than most of the world. And, and it seems as though the suffering in our world is rapidly increasing. It really is. It seems to be accelerating and intensifying. And more and more people are experiencing the reality. They're living under the reality of the law of sin and death. And it all began... With one man, Adam. Romans 5.12 says, Sin entered the world through one man. 
and death through sin or death followed sin. And then this way, death came to all men because all sinned. And I'll tell you, I wish as a human being, I wish I personally had the power and the ability to alleviate all human suffering. Wouldn't that, if you, if you could get just one magical wish granted, wouldn't that be it? To alleviate all human suffering. And as a pastor, I mean, with a shepherd's heart, I feel for the needs of the flock. And even those outside the church. Because, you see, a lot of the suffering that's in our world is unnecessary, if not all of it. There isn't much we can do about natural disasters. There isn't much we can do about, you know, the climate issues. But the things that happen, so much of it, just, it's just unnecessary. And, and, and the truth is, and I've had to come with terms of this years ago, no pastor is the healer. Only Jesus can bring healing. And I believe that he's going to bring healing. And I believe he's willing to touch the deepest needs of the human heart. And that's why, that's why I love the 61st chapter of Isaiah so much, because it points out the fact that the deepest hurt, the most debilitating suffering takes place deep inside the human heart. And I, and I, and I want you to understand what I mean by this. Okay, let me share an observation with you. Because over the years, you know, hospital visits and just knowing people, family members, <clears throat> friends, I, I've known many people who have suffered through some extreme physical infirmity. It, just everyone's got a different one. And, and even some who, who seem to be burdened with a chronic lifelong thorn in the flesh kind of experience. You know what I'm talking about? Perpetual grief and suffering with no relief in sight. I've also known people have come away from the doctor's office having received bad news, you know, something terminal. But here's something that I've observed out of all this. Most people will rise up and they'll rally against the challenge of a physical illness, right? They'll fight it. They'll do everything they need to do to beat that physical ailment. Most people will muster up the strength to fight the most debilitating disease. Doesn't matter what it is. They're not going to give in to it. They're going to fight that thing. But I've also found on the flip side of this, where people most often struggle and languish in defeat is in the mental and emotional and relational areas. Arenas where we're susceptible to hurt by people instead of disease. I hope you can see where I'm going with this. And I believe that it was Jesus' emphasis in this passage. And I believe that this was the purpose for Isaiah's prophecy because frankly, there are a lot of brokenhearted people in churches all across our nation. I mean, out in the world too, but in the church. Because again, people seem to have the ability to cope with physical distress. It seems that we can try, even if it's in our own strength, to conquer the disappointment that's brought on by various infirmities. I mean, losing the abilities, the, 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 the human faculties that we may have had. You know, we, we see them as we get older. or Maybe some disease hits us and, and we lose some abilities that we once had. And we can't do the things we used to do. But we'll still fight. We're not going to cave in. We're not going to give in to it. But then again, what I found is that people seem to hurt deeper from the afflictions that are brought about by other people, not disease. Uh, to, to borrow an old slogan, an old ad slogan of the NRA, it's probably about 40 years ago now. I still hear it. It's still, still being used, but not on television. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. 
Okay, it's just a fact. People kill people. And I want to take that and modify it a little bit. Sickness alone doesn't hurt people. Suffering alone doesn't hurt people. You know, even death for the Christian doesn't hurt people. I mean, there's pain involved, but ultimately people hurt people. And I'm speaking concerning the believer. A great passage approves this point. It would be 1 Corinthians 15. Take a look at this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Look at that. Even death. Death has been swallowed up in the victory of Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension. And so what this means is that even, even if you have lost a loved one to death, physical death, and you know, you know, and they know, they knew the pain of death firsthand, but you know Christ and they knew Christ, then we still have victory. We still have victory. It's not denial, it's victory. Jesus said, because I live, you too shall live. And so we need to rejoice in the fact that we have already received, those who have passed on especially, they've already obtained what is yet only a promise to you and me. They've already gone through that door called death. And they're in the presence of the Messiah, the King of Kings, the King of the universe. We, we're not there yet. They've already experienced it. They've already, it is theirs. It can never be taken away. We're still waiting. And of course, our hearts can still be broken. We talked about this in young adults class today about death and the resurrection. And yeah, I mean, no one, no one's looking forward to death. Even a Christian isn't. I mean, we're looking forward to what's after death. But the separation is so painful. We know the truth, but we can still feel the pain. Amen. But, of course, the cure for that pain is found in Isaiah 61, verse 1. Jesus has been sent to us to bind up or to heal the brokenhearted. That's his purpose, to bind up, to heal the brokenhearted. Of course, there are other ways, maybe even lesser ways, our heart can be broken, usually by the inappropriate or inadequate reactions and responses from people around us. You know, just, you know, as an example... You know what I've learned after 44 years of marriage? Some of you are like, nothing. (laughs) No, sadly, sadly, I've learned that I alone have the unique capacity to hurt my wife like no one else. Isn't that amazing? I have the ability to bring her more pain, to break her heart more easily and more severely than any other human being on this planet. Because as husband and wife, we have a unique bond. And it's based upon a covenant that was agreed upon before Almighty God and a couple hundred witnesses. And the hurt that I can bring, listen, 
It doesn't even have to be intentional. Married people. I mean, it's good. It's quiet. You're thinking this thing through. You know you've done it. You didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say that. You know, you need to make sure the brain's engaged before the mouth goes into action. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. It's amazing. It, it, it's, 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 it's really amazing. Without much effort at all, completely accidentally, we can crush and stomp and wring out the hearts of those we love the most. Isn't that amazing? Doctors Les and Leslie Parrott, in their book titled Relationships, they say this. They just put it, they just phrase it so beautifully. Relationships can be downright complicated. For starters, our own family, the people we love the most, or are supposed to love the most, my words, they hold the potential for causing us the most pain. Isn't that true? Okay, that was not too bad. So I want to reinforce something. I want to reinforce something. People hurt people. You may as well just admit it. Am, am I off base? I think you meant no, but... People hurt people. And so what I'm saying, in life, it isn't often the physical pain that's so enduring... More often, it's the reactions of those around us. It's the opinions and the false wisdom that seems to swirl around us at times. I mean, sometimes it isn't the actual pain of a financial struggle that hurts so much. You know what sometimes hurts more is the judgmental attitude of others or the know-it-all advice that people offer us in our dilemma. I mean, they're trying to help, and they may be well-intentioned, but honestly, sometimes that hurts more, doesn't it? And of course, there's never a shortage of Job's counselors what a great book. I'm so glad God, you know, threw that into our Bibles. The oldest book of the Bible, Job's counselors. They thought they knew so much. They're trying to be helpful. They would have been better if they just zipped and just sat with Job. If they just sat there and said nothing, it would have done him much more in the way of, of confidence building and encouragement. And it's amazing to me how so many other people can have 20-20 hindsight concerning our mistakes and our wrong turns, right? They look at our lives and, wow, if only, if only you'd done this, if only you'd done that. And here's what's so important about this, and I speak from experience. I, like you, I've had my, my fair share of intended as well as un unintended hurts. And I, like you, get tired of being judged and critiqued and criticized and wrongly estimated. Makes me think of Wednesday night Bible study, judgment call. We spent a number of weeks talking about judging and being judged. And the most natural thing to do when that happens is to get bitter or to withdraw. And you know what? That's exactly what we need to guard against. When someone, when someone you know, the Bible talks about us being like iron that sharpens iron, right? You know that phrase out of the Old Testament? Iron sharpens iron. Sometimes we will rub up against each other, and sometimes it smarts. I just want you to know it's okay. And it's maybe inevitable. It's, it's kind of natural because we're so different from one another. We have one thing in common. Christ is our Savior. But there are other things, there are other issues, and, and we may have a difference of opinion. And it's okay as long as we let it be an opinion. 
But we need to guard against bitterness. We need to guard against this tendency to want to withdraw. And I don't want to fellowship with them anymore. Because that is one of Satan's key strategies. To create division. To create an us and them mentality. To, create, to, to cause us to judge others in return for them judging us. That's Satan's desire. It's a, any, any enemy would try to do this to divide and conquer. You've Obviously, you know that. People hurt people. And we also have the capacity to hurt people in return. Do to them exactly what they did to us. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. I mean, this is, this is Paul who wrote this. But please, when we read Scripture, understand that it is God's Word. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, inspired of God. It's not man. This is not Paul's thoughts. This is what God gave to Paul to give to us. Romans 12.17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Don't we want to do that? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, look, look at what it's saying. Essentially, we are being guided to do the exact opposite of what would be natural. Because it's natural to want to hurt people. If someone hurts you, you want to hurt them back. But it's supernatural to bring healing. And we become most like Jesus whenever we're involved in healing. And get this, because you're part of God's family, the closer you get to other family members in the church, the more at risk you become for being hurt. Amen. Yeah. The closer we get, you're going to say something that's offensive to me. Or I might do something to you that appears to be offensive. And it wasn't meant that way. Not at all. I mean, there have been a lot of times, in fact, someone, not part of a church, someone, um, I don't know, 300 miles away, called me this week and apologized to me. And I'm like, what? We had a Zoom meeting and they're like, you know, I'm really sorry. And went on. I said, no apology needed. Never took it that way. It wasn't that way at all. But it's funny how you can feel that sometimes. But it has to do because we're interacting with each other all the time. Does that make sense? The closer you are to someone, the more likely it is that you're going to get hurt or hurt them. And so all the more reason for us to desire to be part of God's agenda for healing. Listen to Psalm 133. This is a great passage. I love this. I mean, in, in particular, I love this for like men's ministry. But, it, but it's, it's talking about men and women as well. It's, it's not restricted the, to just the masculine. But it, it says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, 
running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. And that's, a sig- that's signifying excess. It's not just a drip of oil. They're just pouring anointing oil over his head and it's running down on his beard and all down the robes, all the way dripping on the ground. Psalm 133, verse 3, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Hermon falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. What a beautiful description of the healing that's available within the body of Christ. Unity like an anointing oil. Refreshing like a morning dew and blessings and life forevermore. And you know that healing presence, that process is meant to take place when we're connected in fellowship. For me personally, you know the best part of being a Christian is fellowshipping with other members of the body. It really is. I mean, breaking bread, eating together, sitting, you know, I mean, just next Sunday afternoon. By the way, looking at the weather forecast a week away, keep in prayer, 80 degrees and sunny. Thank you, Jesus. 37 years of perfect weather. I just love it. But we're going to be out there in our, you know, in our, in our folding chairs and camp chairs and the picnic tables, and we're just going to chat. We're just going to enjoy each other. I love that. That is the best part of being a Christian, I think. You're not convinced or I've gone too long. No, just talking and sharing. Isn't it great? You know, and, and there are opportunities for that. I mean, some of those are like senior adult bus trips we used to have. You know, you're trapped on a bus with 40 old people. You know, you get to know each other really well. And you see them first thing in the morning to breakfast before you head out on the bus again. And those are, those are good times. Missions trips. You know, we, just, we had a couple this year. One just came back from Poland not long. Well, it's actually it's been about six months now. Wow. But when you're there, when you've done your work and you, and you sit together and again, you break bread and you fellowship. It's just, wow, I didn't know that about you. I never, you know, you come into church and you go out of church and you never know anybody. Then you have Royal Ranger outings. There's nothing like an FCF camp out. Man, again, the best food and great fellowship. It's just wonderful. FCF, Rangers, girls' ministry gatherings, women's retreats, conventions. You know, the ladies will be going in November up to Hershey Lodge, and you all do a group photo. And I know you get to know each other. You get to know the good, the bad, and some of the ugly. And, you know, young adult get-togethers. They're at my house this Friday night. And I actually shared with them. I said, you know, um, jokingly, I, you know, some, Sam Kramer, was, she wasn't supposed to do a devotion, but I told them she was, and she wasn't prepared because I didn't ask her to do a devotion. But I said that I did, and then I said, I'd do a devotion, except I don't want to do a devotion. And why don't we just, and all I did was interrupt what they were talking about. And I guess basically they said that in about five minutes, I gave them a sermon about not preaching or something like that. I was preaching about not preaching. Just so we had time, just it was a hangout night, just a time to eat together and fellowship together. Because so much of what we do in the church is programmed, right? Just like even this morning, you know, we've, there's a purpose to this. But just to fellowship with each other. And that's when I feel like I'm most a Christian. When I'm sitting down with you and just chatting about life in Christ, that's when I feel, that's when I feel connected to the body. And fellowship is probably one of the least appreciated aspects of the Christian walk. It really is. We're into all the other stuff, Bible studies and seminars. and uh, How about just being together, you know? So anyways, and, and I think truthfully, we need to come together 
And it's good to have a focus. This is, the Word of God is our focus. More. Isaiah 61 is our focus. But, you know, we need to be together. It's, you know, if, we, if we pull out of that fire, just like a, an ember, pull it and put it to the side, it, goes, it cools off so fast and just, just dies. We need each other. Even though it carries with it the risk of hurting someone else or being hurt by others. Again, the law of sin and death says that people naturally hurt each other. People hurt people. But the law of the spirit of life says that people heal people. They build one another up as each part does its work. That's Ephesians 4 verse 16. And we're going to get to that in two weeks. But let me tell you how and where all this healing begins. Okay, It starts with forgiveness. And it's kind of funny. I, I shared it in last week's message from Ephesians. The heart, two hardest words in the English language. Remember that contraction? I'm sorry. Forgiveness. Because we've all been hurt by someone, even those closest to us, we therefore need to forgive others. It's got to be part of what we do. And I like what the Christian author Lewis Smedes once wrote. He said, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing that we were the prisoner. Forgiving someone else, you think you're setting them free. No, you're setting yourself free. In other words, holding on to hurts is bondage, amen? And Jesus Christ, as we read today, has come to set the captives free to bring healing to the brokenhearted. And so the way I want to close this service this morning is to invite each one of you to this altar to ask God to help you become an agent of healing. I'm not, I'm not asking or suggesting that you need to go to someone who maybe you've hurt and ask their forgiveness. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not, or maybe someone's hurt you. I'm not asking. I'm definitely not asking you to go to them and say, hey, you hurt me the other day. But rather just go to God and let's ask him to cleanse our conscience. That's a good place to begin. And listen, listen to the word on this. This is Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Listen to this. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I believe that as we're set free from our past and set free from the things that hold us captive, we then can have a proper place in the church body, a place where we're going to experience real freedom and, 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 and have a compulsion to pray for one another for healing. That's where I think, it, I think that's where it belongs. That's where it really belongs. That connection of asking God to, in a sense, going back to, to Psalms to shine his floodlight on our hearts, to have the Holy Spirit examine our hearts. And in that process, reach a place of real freedom and a place of healing. Amen? Let's pray together. I'd like someone to come to, Heather, if you come to the keyboards and just, just play. And, you know, actually, let's just all stand together. I want to invite you, just, just as I've shared today, you can be an instrument. You can be an agent of healing. But let's first, let's just make sure that our hearts are cleansed by his Holy Spirit this morning. 
And, and there may be people in your life, they're not in this church. They're not, even, they're not even born again. There may be people you can bring healing to out there in the workplace, in your neighborhood, family members that don't yet know Christ. I believe that God wants to use his body to bring healing. Our, our world is in such chaos. Our world is so divided. Our nation has become so divided. And, and unity isn't jumping onto one cause one platform. Politics tries that and all it does is bring more division. There's one cause and that's Christ. That's Christ. And having our lives right, we can't make ourselves righteous. We can't make ourselves pure. All we can do is ask him to cleanse us. We can ask him to forgive us. That's where it begins. So again, come, come to this altar. Don't, don't waste any time. Let's, let's just get before God. Let's, we're all going to spend some time here before God before we leave this morning. And just say, Lord, just, just work in my life, Lord. Cleanse me, God. And Lord, I pray that right now for every one of us, God, that you would cleanse us, that you'd create in us a clean heart. Psalm 51. Create in us a clean heart. Restore unto us, Lord, the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, that all of that out of Psalm 51 would become reality in our lives. God, that there be a, a new power, that there be a, a real newness in our lives. Just, just like Isaiah 61 was promised through you, Jesus. And Lord, you said that not only, you said that we would do even greater things than you have done. Lord, I pray that you'd use us to preach good news to the poor. Lord, that you'd use us to bind up and bring healing to the brokenhearted. Lord, I pray that you'd use us to proclaim freedom for the captives. Lord, that we would proclaim, as I'm proclaiming right now, everyone, the year of the Lord's favor. Even the day of vengeance of our God, that evil would be contained. That evil would be put back in his place. Lord God, I pray right now, Lord, for the people of Ukraine. Again, Lord, that you would push the enemy out of their bounds. Lord God, I pray that, that you would be, you take vengeance on, on, on the Russian government that has infiltrated a sovereign nation. Lord, I pray, God, that you would take charge of that situation. Lord, I thank you for the recent victories, and I pray that they continue, Lord. I pray that, that, that the entire Russian government, Lord, I pray it would fall. That it would fall into confusion. Lord, we don't know what the days ahead have, but Lord, we know that there's going to be a great end time harvest. We do believe that. And it's going to happen in every nation, regardless of what despot or dictator is in charge. Because you are greater. You are the King of Kings and every knee is going to bow. Every knee is going to bow. Lord, I thank you that you're going to provide for those who grieve. Lord, that you're going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. God, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Lord, I thank you that we, your people, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. No one's going to be able to uproot us because you have planted us and you want us to display your splendor according to Isaiah 61.3. You want us to display your splendor. Lord, you're going to use us to rebuild the ancient ruins, to restore places long devastated. Lord, places that have been taken over by heathen and pagan beliefs, Lord God. God, I thank you that, 
as your word says in Isaiah 61, we will be called priests of the Lord. We will be named ministers of our God. Instead of shame, we'll receive a double portion. And Lord, your church has been shamed for far too long, Lord. I pray, God, for that double portion. Lord, I thank you for the promise of your word today. Lord, I thank you that you have, again, as Isaiah the prophet said, you've clothed me with garments of salvation. You've arrayed me, you've dressed us in a robe of righteousness. You're our bridegroom. We're your bride. And Lord, I thank you that we will be a garden that causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord, Lord Jesus, you yourself will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Lord, just work in us now, Lord, I pray. God, we give ourselves to you again this morning, Lord. We pray for your will to be done right here, even as it is in heaven. We don't know how. It's got to be by your sovereign power. It's not going to be by our strategies or machinations, Lord. It's, it's got to be by your power. And I thank you, Lord, you have called your church into this year of favor, this year of blessing. And that we're not to hoard that blessing for ourselves, but God, we're to use it for the sake of others. God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your word today. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we just simply submit to you right now in Jesus' name. We submit to you. And Lord, I pray that each one this morning that's heard this word, that, that they begin to seek you, Lord. This is a year of the Lord's favor. This is a year of blessing. And Lord, I pray, God, that they, there, there are so many here that have just, God, they've, they've desired, they've had, they've had a, a, a godly desire in their heart. And Lord, I pray that they would receive that fulfillment and that there would be testimony after testimony. Hallelujah. Lord, we know you're at work. We know you're at work. Let me give you all the praise. Give you all the praise. give you all the praise in Jesus' name. There's no one else worthy. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name.